Welcome. This is the Lady Leadership Podcast. Sam's goal is clear, helping as many women as she can meet their full potential in business and in life. Hi, this is Sam McIntyre, and in this season of the Lady Leadership Podcast, I'm going to be talking to you about how to get the most out of your career, whether you have your own business, whether you work in corporate, or whether you're just starting out, maybe you're finishing uni. So me and I look forward to sharing all my tips and hints on how to fast track your career. Hi everyone and welcome to the Lady Leadership Podcast. I'm really excited today to have Alicia Mackay. Now she's joining me, she is, she's got a podcast host herself, she's a leader leadership expert and she's recently written a new book which is called you don't need an mba leadership lessons that cut through the crap love it welcome thanks for having me sam it's nice to be here absolutely so i mean let's get stuck straight into it tell me tell me about the book and tell me why you wrote the book Yeah. So um, it's a weird one when you write a book because you write it quite a significant amount of time before it comes out. And then you start having all these conversations about it a few months after it comes out. And so there is a piece of my brain that's like, yeah, why did I write this? <laughs> I caught it some time ago and it was, it feels like a different world ago. There was no such thing as coronavirus. When yeah, 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 that's right. And that's, that's kind of the point. And so my background is um, I was a strategy consultant and did a lot of work with um, primarily with government, but uh, with corporates as well working out where they wanted to go and how they were going to get there. And that was the bulk of my work for a long time. And it informed um, my first book, From Strategy to Action. But over the last few years, what became sort of quite clear to me was that it's all very well having the right product or the right piece of paper. And it's all very well having the right processes um, in an organisation to make things happen. But when it comes down to it, all change is people change and everything yeah. that we want to make happen needs to be led by people. And sure, maybe we can replace these people with robots eventually, uh, but for now, we kind of rely on the people. And there's a lot of stuff that we kind of just don't teach people to do. And so what I was finding with these kind of groups of um, politicians and chief executives and executive um, leadership teams was that there seemed to be these massive skill gaps. And what I found quite interesting about it is that not only are they skill gaps, but they're kind of things that we assume to be quite inherent. So if you've managed to become a senior manager, you must be a really good decision maker, for example. You must just have good judgment. Like maybe you were born with it, maybe it's Maybelline, I don't know. But you must have good judgment now that you're a senior manager. And I'm working with these people and they don't know, you know, what the ingredients of a good decision are or how to think strategically or how to plan for the future. And it's not because there's anything wrong with them. It's because we don't teach it. And so the kind of, the kind of foundation thinking for the book is, well, we've kind of set people up to fail a little bit, particularly um, for the modern world of work. So the, the classic trajectory is like you get a job, doing a thing that you're quite good at. So whether you're a scientist or an engineer or whatever you are, a policy person or a salesperson, and as you get better and better at doing that thing and get more training in that thing, and we reward you for that thing, we give you promotions and pay rises, and eventually you might manage other people who are doing that thing. So that's fine. You're doing your thing. You're helping other people do it. At a certain point in your career, and no one warns you about this till you get there, they pull the rug out from under you. You get your next promotion, and all of a sudden, everything that you've been good at until now um, 
you don't need it anymore. In fact, it kind of becomes a handicap. So now you've got these people who are in quite senior positions and they want to be like, you know, on the tools and the guts of it. Yeah. But that's not their job anymore. Their job now is to go, how do we set direction here and how do we influence with our stakeholders and how do we make big change happen and and drive a high-performance organisation? But no one's taught them how to do that. And so if we don't shift at that point in our career, and it is a bit mean because nobody warns you, these are the people who are taking their work home at night and they're saying things like, I've got no time for my real work. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Yeah, because they're spending all the time dealing with people issues and they're spending yeah. all the time trying to figure out what they should be doing, not kind of get, getting there. And um, and it becomes hard. And I'm, I've had a career in technology, so I've absolutely seen this. You know, you take a really good tech person and give them a team and it it may not be what they're good at or it may be not what they want to do as well. Oh, totally. And actually, I mean, sort of as a parallel track, it's actually a bit crap that we don't have a, um, like a ladder, I hate the use of the word ladder, but, you know, they're all ladders. We don't have a ladder that rewards um, somebody who just simply loves doing what you're doing. So if you would like to be successful, whatever your metric of that is, if you want to get paid more and have more accolades in your career, you have to manage more people and basically you have to stop doing the work you love if you'd like to be a success. And so that kind of technocrat um, model doesn't stand up, which is actually a bit dumb because there's a lot of people that actually are quite happy just being Mm. really great at the work they Mm. do. Yeah, they don't want to lead a team, but they want to. And we don't have a track for that, and so that is a bit crap. But the the, the title of the book, You Don't Need an MBA, is like it's a little bit of a misnomer, a little bit of a grenade. It's just me being a bit cheeky because I'm (laughs) like that. Um, But the reason it's there is because I think what does tend to happen is, so we get to this point in our career where we're like, all right, I'm missing a bit. Um, I know I'm missing a bit. What, what are my options here? And if we look at that kind of traditional leadership or executive education, it tends to be some kind of MBA-type flavour, whether it's an MBA or a short course, whatever it is. And so we go and we, we sit people down, and um, if they're lucky, we might, you know, profile their personalities or something. What's your disc? What's your Myers-Briggs? What kind of bird are you? Whatever. And then we go, cool, so now we're going to... Right, just- I like that. What sort of bird are you? <laughs> oh, what are you? I'm eagle, apparently. Um, <laughs> what are you? Did you say? I'm an eagle. Oh, okay. Yeah, no empathy. <laughs> I haven't figured out what bird I am yet. I'll send yeah. you a link after if you like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put it in the show notes for anyone. Yeah, and then we just kind of go, well, here, learn all this other stuff. And in the meantime, the world's going mad around you. And what we're not kind of equipping people with are these skills to go like, what do you do when a pandemic hits and your business is relevant overnight? What do you do when you've got um, people with mental health issues, when a new competitor enters the market and you've got no idea how to respond, when your technology becomes obsolete and you didn't realise? These kind of, these contextual, um, ambiguous things that are happening, we don't really equip people for that. And the model that we've got there, which is, you know, sit down and learn, isn't geared up to support that. And so the book is me going, you know what? There's a few things that you haven't been taught. It's actually not that they're that hard. It's that you haven't learned them. Would you like to have a go, have a read of this? <laughs> yeah. No, I really like it. I think I think it's great and I think it's a really good insight. And, um, yeah, I've, I've worked with a few people that haven't learnt some of those leadership skills and, um, you know, think yelling at people uh, is going to just make them work harder or motivate them, that type of, you know. Does that not work? <laughs> not for me. Not it doesn't for work for me, I know. <laughs> if you yell at me, it doesn't mean I'm going to run faster. 
I mean, no, I think it, what's interesting about the book, actually, because I resisted the word leadership for quite a long time. I still kind of yeah. do. I feel a bit allergic to it. It's the same with strategy. Like, I'm a very proud strategy queen. I'm a strategist, and it's one of those words that gets corrupted. Um, mm. I, fi- I, I feel that way a bit about the word coach as well. So, yeah. yeah. Anyone can be a coach. Just like anyone can be a photographer now they've got an iPhone. But, um, I mean, leadership is now, it's all the rage, isn't it? And if I stick it on the front of the book, it, it sells, and, and it's the whole thing. But... I'm not sure that I'm not sure that there's anything that you need to be a good leader that isn't the same as what you need to be a good person. I was like, going to say I was going to. I actually think they're that different. Yeah, I was going to finish your sentence for you. You're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, the same, it's the same stuff, isn't it? And actually, I'm the last person in the world that, if you think about that kind of traditional conception of leadership, which is, I guess, what people spring to, which is, oh, you manage a large number of people, which is not at all what I think leadership is about. No, but that's no. kind of your, your assumption. I'm the last person to ask about that. I hate managing people. I'm no good at it. I'm not interested in dealing with somebody's leave request and how to make them feel better on a Tuesday and signing a morning tea card for Jane's baby or, or whatever. Like I, I just have no desire to do it. And so I think what's possibly either attractive or not attractive about reading my thinking in this space is I'm not going to teach you how to be a good people manager or a good people leader because I don't know. I've got no yeah, interest right. in it. Yeah, it's, it's a very specific kind of um, component for me, which is all around that strategic direction setting mm-hmm. and working out how to cope in a, yeah. in a environment. So this is a book for that strategy type positioning. Yep. Yeah, or more for people that don't have it that are going. I feel like I'm missing something here. I feel like yeah. I'm really I'm really good at my job, and the world keeps tripping me over. And the things I know how to do, my toolbox isn't working. Mm. I mean, that's that's kind of how it's for. Is because I so think what, um, what should be in their new to- toolbox? Then take me through that. Yeah, so the toolbox is probably not the right metaphor. Anyway, if we think about <laughs> no, yeah, t- take me through the book. Then what will the book yeah yeah totally. Yeah. And yep. so we've kind of got this idea that look, I think there are four kind of critical um, areas that we don't teach. But most importantly, is actually something that sits in the middle. And so if we think about um, the what we need at our core in order to be sustainably successful, so not good at what you currently know, uh-huh. good no matter what happens in the world. I'm, I'm, in the book, we call that flexibility. And yep. to be honest, you can sub in any jargon you like there. Adaptability, agility, versatility, I don't care what you use. The point is that if you don't know how to cope with change, there's not a lot of use working on anything else because as soon as you're good at it, the world's going to shift. It's going to be relevant. Yeah, to you. right. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so you go to uni, you learn, spend three years on an MBA, you come out with management theory. It's irrelevant by the time you finished it, right? And so, unless we've got that capacity to be aware of the world around us mm. and of our own bullshit mm. and the agents. I, I like that. And, and of our own bullshit. As oh, well. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're what, like, what's interesting about awareness is that you've got kind of these two varieties. You've got external awareness and you've got self-awareness and being good at one doesn't mean you'll be any good at the other. But if you don't have both, you're in trouble, eh? Because if you can tell what's going on and you're looking at your window and you see what your competitors are doing, what the market's doing, what legislation's doing, that's fine. But if you don't realise that you're a raging asshole and nobody likes you, then you're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> and you become quite, you know, victim blaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ego, ego. You're really good at knowing yourself. Yeah. But you're no good at understanding what's happening in the in the world around you. You become introspective to the point of inaction. Yes. And so what we want is that balance where you can go, what's this triggering in me? But also what's happening out there? Yeah. So we want this kind of awareness piece. 
we need to, you know, be able to take, if we think about the coping with change, that flexibility stuff, we want to know, um, you know, what power have I got to act here? And how am I going to grab what's currently happening? And rather than just kind of cope with it or have this attitude that's like, when things get back to normal or I'll see if I can get through it, we're going, no, mate, this is the world. So how are you going to continue to make progress and grow even when things are hard? You know, I was a um, I was a single mum at uni and super broke, just super broke. And I remember sitting down each week to do these budgets where it would be like, okay, I've figured out where every dollar's going. I know what's going on. And then I'd be like, oh, oh, but it's not going to work this week because the car registration's due. But next week, next week the budget's going to work. Oh, no, not next week because I've um, got to take my kid to that thing. Okay, the next week, right? And you're like, when things get back to normal, this ideal thing I've got will work. And I see people budget like that that run quite large companies. They're like, oh, when everything settles down, it's not settling down. You know, no, that, yeah. that sense of there'll be a doctor's appointment next week, the car registration's due next month versus... There's always, there's always going to be something. Yeah. There's always something, right? Yeah. And so what we want to start from as a core leadership skill is that capacity to not just um, cope with change, but to both expect and embrace it. yeah. Yeah. And, and if you can do that, I reckon it's kind of like, it's kind of like physical resilience. If you've got a strong core, then you can build out the rest. But if you don't, things are going to start snapping off. Mm. So we kind of talk about in the book, the thing we concentrate the most on at the outset is, are you ready for and able to thrive when things are messy? Yeah, that's right. Your, yeah. That's your core skill. Yeah. Once you've got that, you can start to build out the others. And I think what's kind of interesting about this framework is it's a bit of a choose your own adventure. So we've got these kind of four components. And the idea is that throughout your career, you've probably been rewarded for and become an excellent person at one or two of these areas because that's what gets rewarded. What are those areas then? So I was a policy person, right? Uh I trade. Yeah. So I'm really good at decision-making, strategic thinking. That's uh-huh. right. Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty good at systems thinking. So I see how things fit together. And those yeah. are the first two components of the book, right? So yeah. I'm really good at decision-making and I'm really good at seeing how things fit together. Now, if I was a technical expert like an engineer or a scientist or a statistician, um, what I'm actually probably quite good at is the third area, which is the detail stuff, performance. It's mm. how do you get shit done, right? Yeah. How do you become an excellent technical operational expert? But I might not be so good at the fourth area, which is about influence and how to touch people and have leverage and impact. Mm. Turn your ideas into something that have a bigger spread, right? Yeah. yeah. But if I was a salesperson or in a community liaison role, I might be be good at that. Influence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And maybe seeing how things fit together. Maybe not at getting it done. Yeah. But maybe not at getting it done and maybe not at seeing the big strategic picture for how it fits together over 20 years. Yeah. And so what tends to happen is we wind up unbalanced over time because we overinvest in one of those areas. And what I'm saying is when you pick up this book, don't pick up the thing and read the chapter about the thing that you already resonate with. Yeah, You're right. good at that. Just flick through, mate. Go and find the bit that you go, well, this is probably a load of shit. I can't see how it applies to me. Go learn that. That's the thing you probably need. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Balance yourself out a little bit more. Totally. totally. But then also maybe if you are in that leadership type role, look for people that have got those skills in your team that you haven't got. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to be said for hiring and the gaps in your own expertise. Mm. Um, but I think that probably works. 
it probably works better for um, for skill areas for things like sales and marketing or financial management. You know, get yourself yeah. a CFO, get yeah. yourself a CIO, get yourself a tech savvy person, get yourself a sales savvy person. What it's not going to work for is if you have got glaring, um, if you've got glaring deficiencies in your ability to roll out change yeah. or to delegate and perform. Delegate. Yeah, that's so a good one. there's any performance piece, right? Mm. Or to, to see the big picture and set direction. Those are things that you can't just buy. You can't sub that in. You can't just mm. hire someone for that because that's what falls to you. And I think this is where we get, get it wrong. If we look at that MBA system, we're teaching people things that they can buy. So we're teaching them things that we can either do a 15-minute YouTube video on or hire someone who's already great at. You know, like, don't learn yeah. how to be a designer, hire one. Don't, yeah, learn yeah. How to, don't learn how to optimise a supply chain, hire someone. Yeah. What you do need to learn to do is the stuff that you can't just hand off or you can't buy, and that's the stuff like, am I seeing what's going on here? Am I asking good questions? Am I asking good things fit together, right? You can't just sub that out. No, you can't. You can't. Oh, I so agree. This is really these, uh, I've, I've interviewed someone else on the podcast and she talks about human skills and, mm. the, you know, really, mm. and, and you're right, you can't buy this stuff in an MBA. Yeah. Um, you can't, because in MBA you're learning about finance, you're learning about supply chain, you're learning about procurement, whatever. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You're learning these kind of really practical elements. You're not, you're not learning about yourself and you're not learning about others. And no, you're, you're not, not learning how to ask questions about what you don't see. Mm, yeah, curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, when someone comes to you, are you seeing what they're not saying? Mm. Are you asking what you're not seeing? Mm. Are you checking assumptions? Are you thinking about how it fits together with another part of your organisation and something you've seen somewhere else? Are you joining dots? This is stuff that... You can't just buy someone to do that for you. Yeah. Or you say, are you setting direction? Are you actually setting direction for, for a team to go for? You don't even know what you want. I mean, every time someone brought me in as a strategy person and said, Alicia, if we just told our story better, what we really, our priority needs to be telling our story. Because if we just told our story, you know, people would understand. And I go, hmm. Yeah, what well, is your story though? <laughs> like, <laughs> and and often we don't we don't know, and we're kind of walking around with this assumed idea in our heads of what we might think we're doing, and other people are doing that too, and we've never had that explicit chat that goes, you know, you know what matters most. This one thing that we need to focus on that that we're doing, mm. and what happens is because we don't make that call at top we by default delegate that down to people to make judgment calls that shouldn't have to. So you've got people at the front line trying to make judgment calls on the fly about where to put their time and energy and yeah, just yeah. clearing themselves out because their leader wasn't taught the skills to go, guys, if you have to compromise on something this week, it's X. Correct. And yeah. and you see that so often and because they, they like to say, oh, everything's important because yeah. they want to try and drive. The, I can understand why they do it because they're wanting to try and drive everyone to be kind of exceeding, but what they get is a great big mess. Oh, yeah, and just no one's a effort. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you, do you recommend... Do you re- recommend getting an MBA at all then? Like, oh, totally. Totally. I yeah, recommend okay. heaps of situations where that might be exactly what you need. And yeah. I've got a wee um, brochure on the Not an MBA website that is, should you do an MBA? And it's just a comparison document that goes, here are all your options and here are the reasons why you would want to do one. And so 
if you, for example, have been, uh, if you've come up in a creative or a humanities space and you're entering, you're entering corporate and you're like, shit, I don't even understand the language they're speaking here. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know how to read a paper. Yeah. If you've got some basic skills that are absolutely missing and you want to become more commercial, it might be an option. But, and this is where the but comes in, I think, A, it's really important to check in and make sure that anywhere you're trying to head into, so this is a career-changing kind of advice, mm-hmm. have a good chat to people in that industry and to people doing that job to check what their expectations are and to check what your options are. Because yeah. I think a lot of times people say to me, oh, I've got to get those letters. You don't understand, Alicia. In my industry, I've got to get those letters. Even if it's stupid, that's what you've got to do to succeed. And I go, mm, yeah, have, have a chat. Have you checked? <laughs> yeah, Because yeah. it's often not the case. I think if you're shifting countries and you're not sure that your experience and, um, and your qualifications are going to stack up and you want something to prove, have a look at it. My caution, though, is that when I did a bunch of market research around this stuff and I just literally put a call out on LinkedIn and I said, have you done an MBA? thinking about doing an MBA. If so, will you talk to me? And I did two days of back-to-back 15-minute interviews of just talking to people. Yeah. And what I heard most commonly from people that had done one was be very clear about why you're doing it because the cost you pay, and I'm not talking about the 50 grand, I'm talking about the people who do MBAs are generally people who already have positions of responsibility. They're at a point in their life where they probably have families or community obligations. So you've got busy, stressed out people that are now taking on 30 hours a week of additional study and trying to fit that into their lives. And so one guy says to me, Alicia, before I started my MBA, he said, I did I did a half Ironman. He said, I was a triathlete. He said, by the end of my MBA, I'd put on 20 kilos. Yeah, right. Wow. It cost wow. my health. And my, he said, I wasn't willing to sacrifice my family. Mm. I wasn't willing to sacrifice my job. So it was my health. Mm. So it was going to be something. And so if we look at what your reasons are and you've got some genuine reasons and you've got time, right? You've it's got time. T- it's time. If yeah. you're young and single and ambitious and all you care about is your job and you're spending five years throwing everything you can at your at your development. Go for it. Consider it. Yeah. Have a good chat to where you're heading to, to the people that are doing the job you're doing first. Yeah. to make sure that that's what you need. Otherwise, you might be able to do short courses. You might be able to go on Coursera or Masterclass or something online yeah. and learn what you need to know. Yeah, that's you right. Might be able, right, so there's so many, there might be something in-house. It used to, there used to be a lot of networking attached to MBAs as well. Yeah. Um, and so I know people that have done an MBA and say met people in the course and, you know, been yeah, able totally. to network through them and have, you know, helped their careers. Um, I think most people I've seen who've done an MBA, it's helped their career yeah. in the long term, but it is a long term. I bloody hope so. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In the long term, though, it's a long-term game. It's a, it's a yeah. lot of effort. It's a lot of money. Um, and so, you know, yeah, make sure you're going to get the best benefit out of it. Oh, totally. Because I think um, it's interesting you say that about the, the network thing, because I go, that is such a valid reason to want to spread your wings. Mm. But if that's your primary driver, comes back to you, if your primary driver is that you want to build out a network, I reckon there are ways of doing that that aren't going to take you three years cost you <laughs> and cost you 50 grand. Right? So I reckon that if that's your primary <laughs> yeah, driver, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. got some good options, right? Yeah. Um, and do you thinking, feel, do you feel like that driver... Yeah. Do you feel like in those senior roles that there's there becomes a time when it it's a it's a must, you know, if you want to be, and, and I kind of I kind of know the I've got an opinion on this question as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course not. Of no, course it is. yeah, no, it's not. I mean, we all we can pull out the cliches about the 
Bill Gates didn't even finish university. No, that's right. Yeah. Like there is a bit of that. The things that actually um, support people to be successful sustainably, right, which is to keep up when things keep shifting and still have a successful business or a successful career, aren't things that you pick up in a classroom. Mm. And if we think they are, we're in trouble. Yeah. Like yeah. University, it's, re- it's resilience. It's, you know, your ability correct. to get back up again. It's that it's, it's ability correct. to go, well, it's what can right. we do? You know, it's all doom and gloom, but what can we do? And, and it's your relationships of, too. Like yeah. as well as I do, that people who are picking up awesome jobs aren't doing that because they saw an ad in the paper and they're writing a good cover letter, right? So mm-hmm. jobs are picked up through relationships and influence and being aware of what's out there and creating a niche of your own. That's how successful careers and businesses are built. Not by following the right criteria and ticking a box. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think like if you're ever if you're ever applying for a job, um, if you can then link in with someone in that organisation or make a connection or you know develop some relationship. A lot of the jobs I've got gotten in my career are definitely through people I've known rather than a job ad. Oh, totally. Yeah. And like, as I was thinking about my most recent hiring process and actually I did put an ad out and I did hire someone through the ad, but the person I hired, she was working before that for my accountant. And yeah. she said, I've been working for your accountant and he's endorsed this application. So I'd love to come and work with you. And so I rang my accountant and I said, what do you reckon? And he went, oh, she's great. And I was like, cool. that was enough for me. That yeah. was enough for me to yeah. make that call. And that carries so much more weight than whatever somebody can put in a cover letter that you go, well, if I'm putting my energy somewhere, should it be packing out my CV with extra bullet points or should it be making connections and being aware of what's going on in my industry and building my own personal reputation and integrity and knowledge base? Mm. And you know, that, it's a completely different angle. And so the strategic leader's going, I know where I want to go and I've got some ideas about what I'm going to focus on to get there. They're not going, how many different boxes can I tick? Yeah. And it's interesting. I've got a little group of sort of women in IT group and there's about eight of us that catch up regularly. And where our conversations are, you know, about who's doing what and then, oh, do you know that person or do you know yeah. them or what are they like or we're always, oh, could you connect me with such and such? Yeah. That's exactly how it isn't it funny how much weight that carries you go oh i got an inquiry the other day from sunset what do you think they go oh god yeah no i remember him wouldn't touch him with a barge pole Mm. you go all right that's enough for me thank you yeah that's right yes and there'll be people in that group like looking for new opportunities and they'll be saying oh have you worked with x before do you know of what are they like absolutely yeah and i mean it's a funny one because like I tell, I've got a teenage daughter who's looking at what she wants to do um, in her, you know, university studies. And I'm kind of saying to her, like, on the one hand, it absolutely matters that you, you know, try hard and do something that you care about. But, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to university. It just isn't a, like I was a teen mum. I was a foster kid. I had never seen anyone go to university, much less think about what I would study. And it changed the course of my life immeasurably yeah the things that I took from university weren't like it's not because I can rattle off the series of events after World War II that led to the development of the laptop and it's not because I can remember which philosopher said what right it was learning because I did an arts degree it Mm -hmm. was learning critical thinking skills yeah understanding that 
there was more to the world than I understood already and that there were more options out there than I could begin to imagine. That's what uni did for me. And so I often tell Bailey when she's thinking about what she wants to study, I'm like, mate, it does matter, but also it kind of doesn't because I work with chief executives that have zoology degrees and I work with statisticians that have fine arts degrees. And, you know, these people have their career and their degree have sometimes such a tenuous link. It's not about what they studied, they couldn't tell you what was in the course they mm, studied at second mm. university. It's about the person it made them. Yeah, yeah, you're so right. My, um, the podcast before this one, I actually interviewed a nurse who's changed her career a couple of times and it's about, mm-hmm. you know, you don't, whatever you start out in, you don't, you may not end up, you know, doing that for the rest of your life. And it's kind of like a, an evolution. But going to uni would have kind of opened your eyes up to opportunity. Oh. Totally. It yeah. completely changed my view of how the world fit together. So I did um, political science, law, philosophy, history, communication. So it was all arts type stuff. And I'd left uni with a double degree in political science and communications. And then I did honours in politics. And so all of those subjects are all about asking questions, understanding context, thinking about message, thinking about meaning. And that's what I've spent my career focusing on. So there is absolutely a really clear link between what I studied in my career, ironically. So I did political science. I became a policy person. I did communications. I'm now a speaker and an author and I write a podcast. So actually, there's a pretty clear link. But that's not often the case. What I took out of it was just so different from what I would have known that I would. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't even know policy analyst was a job until I was in fourth year political science. Didn't even yeah. know that was a job. Well, I studied computer science and, you know, it wasn't what it is now. No. <laughs> well, that's you know, kind of that, isn't it? And like, yeah, like it's, I mean, you know, no one, I, 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 I don't know whether I've said this on the podcast before, but I didn't get into what I wanted to do, which was <sighs> be a travel agent. Yeah. I didn't get enough marks. And yeah. um, my grandfather said to me, I think you should have a look at computer science. I think computers are going to be around for a while. Yeah. And he was it's a truck wrong. Yeah, he was a truck driver, but he'd actually worked. Um, he was uh, in in Papua New Guinea in the in the war, and he actually worked on telephony, um, sending messages, um, Morse code over um, wires to the troops, and so he saw that application of technology. In Amazing! There, so. Yeah, and interesting that the conversations and awareness from a completely different space mm. that then drove decision making somewhere else. Yeah, and I've had a 30-year career in tech off the result of that very simple conversation. Yeah. But I say, and, but I didn't do it. I existed when you went to university, don't exist now, at least not in the form that they did. Sorry, what and was so that? the jobs that existed in computer yeah, correct, you correct. university don't yeah. exist now. No, 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 no. And you could never have imagined the jobs that do. So for me to try and tell my daughter when she heads into university what jobs are, yeah. I don't even know what jobs are going to be in three years' time. I can't yeah. tell my daughter that. No, we don't. I, know. I say to my son, who's nearly fourteen, I say to him about school, like try and do as well as you can because you have more options. So you know, I didn't do as well as I could during school, and um, so my look, it's all turned out pretty okay. You know, like, um, but if you do well, you'll just have more options, and so oh, and like it just kind of, and that's not really even about his marks, is it? It's about how, like, if he's someone that applies himself. And, you know, and seeks excellence and figures out how to be effective with his time and, you know, has... He'll say to me he doesn't doesn't like a certain teacher and I say, well, do you want that to impact your mark? 
Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like the fact that you don't like them, there's going to be lots of people in your life that you'll work with or not get along with, but do you want it to impact on you to, to a degree or should you just try a bit harder and work through that? Absolutely. And, I mean, this is all the stuff that what's interesting, and I'm thinking back to your comment about building a network in an MBA, that that we kind of consider to be auxiliary or supplementary or less important are those things which are can I manage conflict and can I get on with someone I don't like and can I manage my time and yeah can I apply myself in a space that I find really challenging I'm not naturally good at you know those things that we encourage our kids to do that are seen as kind of the stuff around the periphery but the most important thing is the grade you get and I'd suggest it's probably worth flipping that and going the grade's auxiliary it's on the yeah. periphery yeah it's how you how you, how you go about it yeah yeah did you get on with people in your class did you manage your time well did you keep pushing even though you find algebra really hard yeah that stuff is the important stuff yeah yeah what grade yeah. you get is kind of is what it is so in the book when we talk about um no that's so true that's so and and when he doesn't get marks that he's not as happy with and I was like well did you try your hardest and you know did you did you put in or or is that reflective of kind of what you did do do you know what I mean yeah yeah Yeah. so do you um, you need help with that module of the book we talk about how a a good decision isn't defined by its outcome it's defined by the process that you use to make it and I reckon that's true for a lot of things in life and study is one of them the outcome Mm -hmm. isn't what defines how successful your effort is Mm -hmm. it's the process that you use to get there yeah, yeah. I look, I I ride horses, and I tell you, the process is like if you don't like the process, you just don't ride horses. Well, very little of riding horses is riding horses. A, eh? I've got a sister into horses, so I know how this works. A, there's no a little bit into horses. You are either obsessed <laughs> or you don't care. And then B, you get this bit, which is riding the horse. And the rest of it's like brushing it and cleaning it and dealing with its stuff and working Correct. in the paddock. And like so yeah. little bit is riding the horse. So little bit is riding, you know, 40 minutes is riding the horse, three hours is everything else. I mean, my husband said to me one time, I'm tired. And I was like, I was like, right. I said, I've driven from here to the horse paddock. I've put the horse float on the car. I've put everything in the car. I've put the horse, I've caught the horse. I've put the horse in the float. I've then driven to the lesson. I've then, you know, taken the horse out, taken everything out, put everything on the horse, you know, gotten on the horse. Then I've actually done the riding. You know, you've got half, you've got two hours or three hours before you've even got on the horse. Like if you don't like, if you don't like process or if you don't like that, you know, continually just, yeah, don't even, don't even look at horses. <laughs> and can, you can probably take that if we want to extend that horse analogy into a lot of places. You should know what the reality of the process is of doing something and you should enjoy that. You know, so I like lots of elements of my job. I love speaking in public. I love writing. Um, I love working with people who are doing really exciting stuff. But that's, you know, 25% of my job. Yeah. The rest of it is running a business and connecting with clients and sales and marketing and building product offerings. And if I didn't like doing that, then I'd be in trouble. So I love to write, but if I didn't like building an email list, there wouldn't be a lot of point me enjoying writing because nobody would be bloody reading it. And I like like public speaking, but if I didn't like thinking and connecting and working with clients so I had something to say on stage – 
probably not a lot of point doing that. And so if you don't enjoy the process of what you do, there's probably not a lot of point in getting it. If you flip and love sitting in a classroom, learning things over textbook, then you should do an MBA. But if you're doing it because you like a certificate at the end, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't just do it for the outcome. You got to enjoy the process. And look, I I I thoroughly enjoy brushing a horse. It's actually very therapeutic. God, you'd have to. Yeah. <laughs> I love catching a horse. I love talking to a horse, brushing a horse. I like. I'm one of those weird people that like watching someone else on a horse, or what you know. I'm, I'd happily, you know, I've been watching. I was watching the uh, the Olympics um, horse riding. I did get a little bit sick of watching the same pattern for the original dressage, but no, you're you're absolutely right. You've got to you've got to kind of enjoy the process, and I think this is this piece around continuous learning as well. So, I think in this space, you know, you've got to enjoy, you've got to be focused on your kind of continuous learning, your growth, your ability to see things, ability to try things differently, um, ability to want to improve what's external to you and what's internal. Absolutely. 100%. And just digging a bit deeper, like people, um, everybody wants to be, oh, everybody wants to be, it's me throwing that around, but it's a common ambition, particularly amongst really ambitious young professionals that they want to get to the top, right? So yeah. they want to be, they want to be the chief executive, they want to be the general manager, they want to be the big boss. The reality of what the job is and what life is like to be the big boss, the general manager, the chief executive, it's not that flash, right? No, like you'd have to be no. an idiot to want that. Yeah. I, I, I made that very lighthearted. Yeah. But people don't see what the – like. The downside, really cool. the downside of not being able to go to the toilet without someone talking to you. Yeah, like um, it's cool to be yeah. the big boss, but is it cool to deal with the pressure that's on your shoulders of – um, you know, another dicey financial year because of pandemic. Yeah. And 60 yeah. hours a week that have gone into managing all the stuff you haven't seen. If you don't want to do that, you probably don't want the title. Yeah. But I think also when you get there too, and they talk about this with, you know, sports people as well, it's like what is your purpose and your identity outside of that? So if that all goes away um, in, you know, a flash, flash of a pan or something, who are you? Who 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 actually are you aside from that? Yeah, and, well, and, and what, think- what now? So what's mm. really interesting about, I think, what tends to happen is if you get there too fast, and I've got a couple of mentoring clients who were chief executives in their 30s, right? They made it yeah. to the top by their 30s, and then they've kind of gone, shit. Yeah, um, yeah. Who am I? Yeah. How am I and what now? Because I did it. I've done it, I, yeah, yeah. So now what do I do? And if you didn't necessarily take the space for developing that more integrated life or person along the way, and this is that unbalanced thing we talked about before, mm, yeah, then that becomes quite terrifying when you do make it anyway and then you realise that you're all out of kilter. And this is where we get midlife crises or people packing it all in at 35 or whatever. Yeah, buying a Porsche and driving around the countryside, yep. Totally. Or if you're lucky, and I've got – um, I think of a couple of people who've managed to do it this way. They've got to the top based on their own pure ambition and they've got shit done and they've really thrown everything at that performance thing, right? They've worked really hard, built the right relationships. So performance and influence really strong. And they've got up to the top and they've gone, well, now that I'm here and I'm the big boss and it's freaking hard work, the best thing I can do is to build capability in others. Right? Yes. Oh, be able to focus okay. my Absolutely. energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's, so I think to, to be a leader for the long term, it's that shift from me to we. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I think you read my mind on that. And if you can't do that, you're not going to be in that top role very long. 
Would and well, you know what? Maybe that's okay. Maybe well, you're not going to be a good. You're not going to be effective in that. Top Maybe you get there to realise you don't. So one of the things in that flexibility piece is around. Do you know that it's really okay to change your mind, yes. change your job, <laughs> and change yeah. who you vote for, and yeah. change what you think, and change what you want to do with your life? Because yeah. that's who, wants to, who wants to be stuck in in the yeah. same same all the time and not evolving? And defending a position they might not believe in anymore or doing a career because it was something they knew about at high school and they studied it at university. Like the world is shifting so quickly. Mm. Things are becoming infinitely more complex and connected and interesting. Why wouldn't you want to become infinitely more complex and connected and interesting? Too too true. Alicia, where can people get the book? Oh, wherever you like. So um, you're in Australia, aren't you, Sam? Yes. So yep. you can pick it up at um, at Dimmicks if you're out and about or at the airport. Not that you probably get there. Not that you're at, the at the airport. Hang on, for those of you in lockdown, head to Amazon or Booktopia. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You can also buy off my website. Now, what's good about that is that if you buy off my website, um, I do sign it and wrap it in a pretty thing, but then you have to pay international shipping and then I have to wrap it. So it's probably best you go to Booktopia. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got online courses as well I think you've got a bit of a quiz about I should do absolutely yeah. so off the back of the book I very cheekily launched a leadership program called not an MBA mm-hmm. so it's an eight-week executive education alternative it's all online it's very very cool it's flipped classroom stuff where you learn very much out of the classroom and then the time together is application discussion all the stuff that is auxiliary to an MBA the networks the critical thinking the hearing about how other people's job works the thinking about how to apply it to your own the applying it to your own job yeah. we do that and you can head along to notanmba.com and do a free quiz to figure out which bit you're missing yeah and whether or not that might be for you so I'm very excited about that it kicks off in October and you know like most of these things it's all a bloody experiment but I'm feeling good about it <laughs> well thank you so much for being on the show Leisha I've really enjoyed the chat and oh, uh, really really insightful and um yeah, I think you've really kind of honed in on, yeah, why to do an MBA, but why why not to? And what are the skills when you need in those top roles? So, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Great chatting. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks,